Grace, mercy, and peace from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome, Oikos Church. How are you guys doing today? How was the extra hour of sleep for everybody? Awesome. I'm sure you guys had trick-or-treaters at your house, and hopefully that all went well. I know some of the kids here were having a lot of candy, and they were passing things out. So before I get started, just a few things um, with, before we get started into our message today. We're going to be in Ephesians uh, 4 for the most part. That's, if you're looking in the Bible, it's on page 807. Or if you're on a handheld device, uh, we're going to be in, page, we're gonna be in uh, Ephesians. So anyway, uh, just before we get started, we, uh, today's All Saints Day. And so we remember those who've gone on before us, people like Kyle Eichenhorst and Jean Gloria. Because they're in heaven now. It's the place that we're all going to be one day. And so we're still saints here. We're still saints here. We're still carrying on the good word. We're still running the race. But it, it, sometime in the near future, uh, we will all be in heaven with those who've gone before. So I know my mom and dad and my wife's mom and dad are all in heaven. And uh, we think of them often. And uh, we look forward to that day of reunion. A couple more weeks. Uh, Pastor Lytle will be installed uh, by our president, Ken Hennings, and I know all of you are going to want to be here for that. That's going to be on November the 15th, as Sarah had talked about a little earlier. And then we really only have about five more weeks here on the campus, and so we're very grateful for our cooperation with the Lutheran High North. And I know a lot of you have been very, very, working very hard to get our new campus up and running uh, before we get there. So a lot of things going on between now and uh, that time. Uh, today we're going to be talking about transformation. We're going to be talking about transformation uh, not just this week, for in the weeks ahead um, for this month of November. And um, today I'm going to be talking a little bit about Simon Peter uh, and kind of his impact. And, you know, Simon Peter was a man, he was the leader of the church after Jesus passed away and went up to heaven. Uh, but we can learn a lot about, his tra- about Peter's transformation by getting into the Word today and also how that applies to us and how we, can we become transformed in God's light. And so one thing I need to tell you is, before we get started, is, you know, God loves you unconditionally. He absolutely loves you unconditionally. No matter what the situation is, no matter what you might have as far as, you know, warts or things going on in your life, he does love you unconditionally. And so, um, but he wants your life to be even better than what it already is. You know, I've, some of you have a, a great life. You know, you're satisfied with it. Some of you may say, hey, I don't want to have the same type of year I had this year. So how can I get out of that? We're going to talk a little bit about that today, how we can be changed and transformed. I'm taking some life uh, samples from the Bible around Simon Peter. And so... You know, transformation just doesn't happen from a bolt of lightning. I can't just be walking down the street in a bolt, bolt of lightning and it happens instantly. In some cases, it has happened like that in the Bible. In some cases, it has happened to people like that. They become transformed uh, into, into the light. But for the most of us, it's more gradual. And so uh, in 2 Corinthians it says in uh, 3, verse 18, our, va- our faces are not covered with a veil. We will all display gl- Lord, the Lord's glory. We're being changed to become more like him so we can have more and more glory. So the, the more we get to know God in Jesus and the more we are able to walk in his ways, the more glory that God shines us in what he wants for our life. 
And so um, God's us, God wants us to become better and better. He wants us to become, to stand in the light, to be in his word, to be in his ways. And so what I want to talk about today is seven important points. I think that I only see it in Peter's life as he was walking alongside Jesus and the other disciples, but also uh, some points that will be very helpful, I think, as we learn how to walk the transformational life. You know, at Oikos Church, one of the key features in vision frames is that we are transformational. Uh, in what we do. So that is a key feature of what we're doing at Oikos Church um, here today. So, so going back to Ephesians chapter 4, we'll be using as a text, and uh, we'll be seeing how transformation, how God grows us. So the first point I want to say, uh, if you want to leave a transformational life, the first thing you need to know is, is you need to accept it, you need to commit to it. Yes, I want to change my life. You have to be able to accept that. Some of us are long, way along that line. Some of us aren't. I'm still not there yet. Now, I grew up in the church. I actually grew up in the church. My folks were terrific. I grew up in the church, but I'm still, I'm still learning. I've got a lot to learn. I may never learn what I need to know to walk truly in the entire light that God gives us. And so in Matthew 4.18, here's Simon Peter. As Jesus approaches him for the first time, and his life becomes transformed. It says, one day Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. There he saw two brothers. One was Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. They were throwing a net in the lake. They were fishermen. Come follow, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now pay attention to the last sentence. They dropped their nets and followed him. You know, if it was me or maybe you, you'd say, oh, wait a minute, I got to go make a snack and I got to go pack some bags and I got to write these checks. And yeah, this guy's just got left. And Peter was, you know, Peter was married. And so he just got up and left. How many people could, you know, how many of us could actually do that? And then we see it again in John 21, verse 15. When Jesus, in the, and this is after Jesus had risen, had the resurrection, uh, Jesus spoke to Simon Peter, who asked Simon, Son of John, do you really love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he answered. You know that I love you, and so feed my lambs. And that's just one, that was one of the verses in that chapter. There was other ones that Jesus kept challenging us, kept challenging Simon Peter to um, be in concert and to feed and look over his flock. Um, and so... If you aren't committed to some degree, you have to get on a transformational life, you have to at least have some commitment. Whether that's just a baby step, or it's a large step, or it's even a further step. And so I picked Simon Peter because, for this particular message, because he was a man, he sinned, he wasn't perfect. You know, we're not, we're sinful, we're not perfect, I'm not perfect. I, know, I don't know anybody that's perfect these days. They're just not perfect. So a few months ago, it, we were at a missional community, or I can't remember what it was, but several of you, I know some of you in the room here were with me. And at about that time, that Roma Downey movie, the Bible was on, it was on Sunday nights, it was quite good. And um, they got to this section that I just read about 
Jesus coming to Simon Peter and Simon Peter saying, do you, you know, will you drop everything? They dropped their nets and they just kept going. You know, they didn't, they didn't go home to check to make sure it was okay. And I was re- reflecting on my life. I was going, God, can I do that? Can I really? I, I was thinking about that. We were talking about it in, in huddle or something. I can't remember. And somebody asked me, what's, you know, what's your biggest challenge? And I mentioned this and I said, you know, I, I don't know if I could do that. Could I drop everything like Simon Peter and go do that? Can I just drop everything to follow Jesus? Now, if you know me, you know, I'm always kind of doing something. No, I want to take out the trash and do all this other stuff. But to drop everything and follow Jesus, am I that committed? I'm not sure I still am that committed. I, I, I am committed, but could I actually drop them? It's something that's always been bothering me. And, you know, maybe I'll get, hopefully by the grace of God, I'll get there. And, but right now, I don't think I am. So, anyway, I thought that was, um, you know, we all have our individual challenges. Um, one is sometimes following God, uh, even though we don't want to follow him, um, we have to listen to what he's telling us. Um, number two. Second point for life transformation, you need a coach or a mentor. You're going, really? So as I was growing up, I always had a mentor. Maybe that was my dad, maybe it was my grandfather, maybe it was a pastor right now um, in the church. Uh, Whatever church I was attending, I, I look up to pastors and those people who are leading their church body. And, you know, in the case of Peter, he had Jesus. But if you go back and look at Peter's kind of over, kind of look at his life, he was kind of a klutz, right? I mean, he's kind of just stumbling around, and he never really kind of got it right. He, you know, he wanted to walk on the water, and his faith wasn't strong enough, and he fell, and, and uh, um, he wanted to uh, uh, do other things, and he just kind of, you know, he... When he saw Jesus after resurrection, he got out of the boat, put all of his clothes on, and jumped in the water. You go, well, why would you do that? You know, just, he was just kind of a mess. Um, and, you know, we're like that too sometimes. Um, you know, he denied Jesus three times uh, during the time, and he was right next to Jesus. So Peter was with Jesus for three years, right? And he was still kind of just stumbling and kind of like, Maybe some of us, right? We're, we stumble, we fall short of the glory of God. And, but, but by grace and through faith, we are able to overcome it. So, a coach. You need someone who can hold you accountable. Right now, I think that lies with Pastor Lytle. He probably is holding me accountable uh, for certain things. So, uh, or my wife. My wife holds me accountable for a lot of things. Thank God. So... Um, so, you know, but we're all kluxy, and sometimes what we do, and, and uh, it, but somebody needs to hold you accountable. So, and in, in, in for Peter, Jesus held him accountable. And for uh, Solomon, David kept him accountable. We talked about Acts a little uh, for the last few weeks, in that uh, Paul held Timothy accountable. So you had this coach, you had these mentors in the Bible uh, that helped uh, carry those things forward. 
And so, uh, so you have, I know some of you guys go out and you have um, physical coaches. I know some young people here, they have a football coach or a basketball coach or a volleyball coach. Some of you work out, you have a workout coach. If you're, if you're working in corporate America, some of the CEOs, they have a, um, they have a, a life coach, uh, an executive leadership coach. So there's a lot of different coaches around. But in this case, we're looking really for a spiritual coach. So you're saying, well, gee, you know, we, you know, I know a few people. If you don't know somebody, get with somebody who you think might be a good spiritual coach for you and mentor um, and just say, hey, you know, I'm not perfect. You're probably not perfect, but we can help each other out. Um, and if you don't have a mentor, you want a mentor, then you can talk to Pastor Lila or myself or any of the elders that are here or whoever you want to talk to uh, regarding a mentor. But it's very important. One of the things I think is absolutely critical for life transformation is for you to have a mentor or coach. And so in Tim- 2 Timothy 2, 2, um, it says, You have heard me teach in front of many witnesses. Pass on to men. You can trust the things you've heard me say. Then they will be able to teach others also. If you notice in this passage in Timothy, we're talking about three different generations. So I got taught by various people, pastors, Pastor Lytle, other pastors, fathers, grandfathers. It's my, it, I need to go on and pass that down to others and then others. So we're really talking about three generations in this particular passage. But what we're learning, we need to pass on um, for spiritual and transformational growth. And then, you know, we talked a little bit about coaches in a little a few minutes ago and we have coach you know there are coaches uh in the bible so i'm going to return back to ephesians 4 11 through 13 and and in that verse it says he is the one who gave the gift to be apostles he gave some to be gifts to prophets he gave some to be fit to preach in the news and he gave some the gift to be pastors and teachers he did it so they might prepare god's people to serve if they do the body of christ will be built up They will continue until we all become one in the faith and knowledge of God's Son. Then we will grow up in the faith. We will receive everything Christ has for us. Again, Christ is, you know, the God is good. He wants everything for us. But we need to be in the Word. word. Um, We need to be, uh, hopefully, in church, or we need to come alongside people who are coaching us or mentoring us along in our faith walk. If you're really serious about getting transformed, you want life transformation, you, it would, I su- highly suggest you get a coach or a mentor or work with somebody that can help you continue your life transformation uh, in faith. The third point I want to say, and this one, <laughs> Pastor Lila really uh, speaks, speak it, is speaking the truth. Um, you know, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Uh, and we can apply that to any part of our life. You know, whether you're having financial problems or marriage problems or um, money or career problems or whatever, um, the, the, the Bible speaks the truth to us at all times. Um, and with regard to Peter, now Peter didn't talk the truth all the time. Here we are again with Simon Peter, He's ministering next to Jesus up through um, the time that the soldiers came and t- took him away on that Monday, Thursday. 
And we see in a couple of different references how Peter continues to stumble because he's not walking with the truth. He continues to walk in um, lies to some degree. And we see that even on that evening after Jesus has been taken, captured by the Romans and, the, uh, and others. And so in Matthew 26, 31 through 35, and Luke 22, 31 through 33, Peter is still not in, in the truth. He's still not speaking the truth. In Matthew 26, he says, Though all men desert you, yet I will not. Jesus said, I say to you before the rooster crows, you will remind me three times. So here we are. Peter's still not talking the truth. He's been with him a long time, but he's still not really speaking or, or walking in the truth with God. And then in Luke 22, he says, Lord, I'm ready to go, you, go with you, both into prison and to death. But he didn't really, you know, he may have said that again, but did he really believe it? Was he really speaking the truth? No, even up to that point, Peter is still not walking in the truth. We didn't find out until later on after the resurrection and also uh, after, the, uh, after Pentecost that uh, Peter really start leaving a more transformational life. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. So in, back to Ephesians 4, uh, if you're following me, uh, 14 and 15. We'll no longer be babies in the faith. We won't be tossed around like waves. We won't be blown here and there by every new teaching. We won't be blown around by the cleverness and tricks of people who try to hide their evil plans. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. We will grow up in Christ in every way. So that verse talks about the truth. And if we don't know where the truth is, if we're living in a lie, then we'll believe anything, right? We'll, we'll believe anything. We, we won't have a foundation as to what we are because we're not living in the truth. Remember, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever comes to me. So Jesus is the truth. The, the more we get closer to the truth. Now, that's not just a principle when we say that verse. That is a person also. So um, if we get closer to Jesus, then the closer we will be to the truth and speaking the truth in our everyday lives, whether that's with your son or daughter or your parents or whomever you might meet here uh, in our church. Uh, always speaking the truth is very, 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 very uh, important. So why do we want to know that? Every self-defeating behavior is based on a lie you may be believing. Let me say that again. Every self-defeating behavior is based on a lie you may be believing. And is that true? It could be about God or success, love, marriage, anything else, um, sex, your career. And so God wants us to work with the truth. He wants us to be illuminated. He wants us to be not conformed to the world, he wants us to be more conformed into his word. And the more we understand the truth, then the more we can be in his light and we can have the things that we talked about earlier. We can live a more transformational life. So in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in the righteousness so that the servant of God is thoroughly equipped for every good word. So if we, if we believe in lives that we self-perpetuate, or we know our friends do, our family, and we believe in the world versus 
the Word, then we're never going to have that opportunity to be totally transformed. Once we stop li living those, the life of lies versus standing in the truth, then we can become more transformed in God's grace. Point number four. Change requires new thinking. So, you know, that's kind of... <laughs> That's kind of hard sometimes. I think the older you get, it's harder to change. You always hear the, your, your parents say that or your grandparents. It's a lot harder to change as you get older. Whether that's for your money, your bills, your career, it's harder to change because we don't generally like to change, right? You know, and then we get into bad habits and that sort of thing. Um, so if we want to be different, we need to stop doing the things that keep us away from God. We want to be conformed, and we don't want to be conformed, but we want to be transformed by God. And let me tell you a little bit about how, you know, how that transformation takes place. So I was telling you a little bit earlier, I was kind of raised in the church for the most part, baptized, um, I'm feel still falling short of the glory of God. So back in April or May, Pastor Lila comes up to me and goes, you know what, Nelson, I'd like for you to do a message. And I looked at him and I said, really? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? And sometimes Pastor Lila just goes silent on you. You know, it's like kind of arguing with something and, uh, you know, you can't even argue with it. And so we were, we were sitting in, so... He mentioned it to me. I said, well, let me think about it. You know, let me, let me pray about it. I, I don't know. I've never done that. And then we started talking about it on the road. We had a chance to go to a district convention for our church body in June. And he's sitting in the front seat. He goes, yeah, I think I'd really like for you to preach. And oh, by the way, it's about four or five weeks. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. And I told Pastor, I said, I can't do that. I cannot do that. I cannot do that. I cannot stand up in front of a group of people and say anything about that, about, you know, God and faith and those sort of things. He goes, why? What's calling you back? Well, I'm scared. I'm absolutely petrified. I can't do it. Go ask somebody else to do it. I'm not going to do it. So something interesting happened. As we were going through those two days, and I, this is, I guess, a Kairos. We talked about a Kairos. We were, the convention was talking, the theme for that convention was called the Mission Eyes of Jesus. And we had an opportunity to talk about mission and reaching out and disciples, being, making disciples just like we have here for our vision frame. And I, and I said, I was, as we were going through some of the, the people that were presenting, you know, I started thinking about Peter and Paul, and I thought, well, you know, Peter, as we talked about a little bit earlier, he was, he was following Jesus, right? But like I said, he's kind of a klux, and, you know, he still was messing up a lot. And I was kind of thinking about my life. I said, well, I'm, you know, I, 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 don't, I just don't think I can do that. And so, you know, Peter, you know, trying to think about them, 
And I heard Pastor Lytle, he goes, you know what Jesus was? Jesus was walking around in his ministry trying to make friends. I'll never forget what he said to me. And I've heard other people in my life talk to me about that too. And I just said, you know what? I'm, I'm really kind of too busy to do that. Um, and then an amazing thing happened. So I was thinking about Peter and Paul, and I was thinking, they, you know, until they started thinking about Jesus, had they ever given a message to the faithful? No, they hadn't. So I couldn't keep coming up with excuses to tell Pastor Lytle no. I was trying to. I was thinking of everything. I, you know, I hurt my foot and I can't walk. And, and then something really amazing hit me that same, that same day. So our, and, uh, Pastor Lytle was talking on the last day about mission and outreach and some of Oikos' values. And we had 500 people there. We had 500 people. So he was scheduled, I think, after a Bible study to talk. And we walked down. Uh, me and Sylvie walked down. And we met him and Sarah. And I looked at him and I said, are you okay? He goes, no. What do you mean? Are you, what's wrong with you? Are you sick? Or what's wrong with you? I don't know what's wrong with you. And he goes, I didn't sleep last night. I said, what do you? What? what do you mean? Are you, you know, are you sick? Did you take some bad medicine? Or, you know, what's going on with you? And I could tell at that moment that Pastor Lytle was feeling a little bit uncomfortable speaking to the group of 500. And Pastor Lytle, if you want to <laughs> disagree with me later, that's okay. But it was, you know, and then so we said a little prayer, and he, it was just beautiful, some of the things that he talked about, about, you know, being on mission and disciples. And that is when it hit me that I couldn't say no to him. It hit me. I could not say no to him. I could not say no to him after that. Because I saw him. I, you know, he was, he got a grave message and everything. And several people came up to him afterwards and said, man, this really rocked. And, and so, anyway, I guess that's the second Kairos I had in two days. And uh, so anyway, thank you for that, Pastor Lyle. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so we're talking about new thinking. You know, so I had to think a little bit differently. I had to come across and not say, well, I can't do that. I, I had to start thinking differently. And maybe that meant I had to push some things away for what I was doing in my career and say, you know, that's not as high a priority. I really need to be working on this in my faith life. And I'm trying to do that. I'm still trying to do that. I'm 55 years old. I'm still trying to do that. I may, I'll probably go to my grave still trying to do that. But we have to keep trying. We have to keep working to, on our own transformational life. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, specifically in 2, it says, Don't live any longer to the, world, the way this world lives. Let our thinking be completely changed. Then you will be able to test what God wants for you. And you will agree that what he wants is right. His plan is God is good and pleasing and perfect. So, you know, whatever you, you know, we, we become what we do. You know, whatever we read. You know, if I read a magazine, if I read a newspaper, if I do this, I do that. We kind of conform to whatever is out there as far as what we're reading, what we're seeing on the internet, what we're seeing in the, in the TV these days. Um, I don't get a chance to see the TV very much, but I, you know, it's, you really become what you read and, and, and you confirm, conform to that venue. 
you have to step, you have to kind of step back and think about if I want to change my life, I've got to stop doing that. I've got to, I've got to move away from being a conformist to being a transformist. And so in Corinthians 3.19, and I love this, it says, The wisdom of the world is foolish in God's eyes. It is written, God catches wise people in their own tricks. So the wisdom is of the world is conformity. One thing, you know, I, I know when we're growing up, the easiest thing to do is go out and hang out when we're young and go drink and do this and that or whatever it is. But we're really conforming to what society or the world wants us to do, not what God wants us to do. You know, we read, like I said, read newspapers, do this, watch baseball games all day, and so we become what we look at, what we see, and it's everywhere, right? I mean, the last 10 years, social media has just exploded. Twitter, Facebook um, has really broken down a lot of different things as how we communicate with each other in a society. So if you want to be changed, if you want to be transformed, some, th some things you just have to stop doing. You may just have to stop doing some things. So in Ephesians, we're back in Ephesians again, 4, 17 through 19. So I tell you this and insist on the Lord that, that no la last no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated for the life of God because of their ignorance that is doing them the hardening of their hearts. Have lost all, having lost all sensitivity, they have been given themselves over to sensuality so as not to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So what that's really telling me is we have to stop being confused. We have to stop being confused. You know, light is not, you know, we can't always follow. Light, I've been around, you know, light is dark for some people, and left is right for others, and so we have, to, we have to stop leading a complicated, perplexing, complex life. And it's hard. Um, as busy as people are these days, or we're, I think we're a lot more busy than we were 20 years ago, probably because of some of the social media. It just seems like people are, you know, I'm driving down the road and everybody's, you know, texting each other. And it's just, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very complicated situation. So, so what we want to do is we want to try to find Christ and let the Spirit help change us. We need to be able to accept the Holy Spirit who changes us. The Holy Spirit changes us inside out as we walk through this, thing, uh, through this path of transformation. We have to be able to accept Him, but we need some of these other things that we were talking about as far as being able to be committed and having that provide that mentor or coach and to, and to uh, be able to change our way of thinking. The fifth principle for life transformation is cleaning house. You're saying, wow, cleaning house? I do that in the spring, right? I don't do that right now, or maybe I do it at the end of the year. You guys who have been around me, you know, I don't keep, and even my family knows this, I throw away everything. The people around me, I throw away everything. I, if there's a paper cup there, I'm, ah, throw it away, right? So I'm always throwing things away. Well, God's talking to us that we also need to clean house uh, on the things that we probably shouldn't be doing. If you're so busy and you need to prioritize your life into A, B, and C, 
Maybe you only need to be doing the A things, and those B and C things are just stuff that you're doing that you probably shouldn't be doing. And that's even hit me, and, and I know others um, who've been trying to balance schedules. So one of the things that's really tough, I know for me and for others, is just balancing our schedule. Um, you know, trying to make the A's the A's and the B's and the C's drop off. Um, and so another thing that happened, probably this summer, I think we were in a missional community setting, and I'm going, man, I, I'm just too tired. I, I, I can't do this. I, I'm just too tired. I, I cannot do this. And you know, one of the things that's always challenging, at least trying to get into that repetitive pattern for me was, whoa, well, you know, I work so many hours this week, blah, blah, blah. Again, not making, making my schedule a priority versus God. And I had to step back from it. Why am I so tired? And, and so the Satan, the biggest thing that Satan does is get, trying to get our way. And I always found that before we went to those meetings, that Satan was whispering my word and saying, yeah, you're tired, man. You need to take a nap, which is exactly what I wanted to do. But I said, you know what, I'm, we, you know, I'm committed to doing it. And what happened is, is the, I think as a group, we not only get blessed by those coming together as a group, but you hopefully each person who attends those are also being blessed by, by a sharing or some sort of uh, from the word that, the, uh, that God's giving to us. And so, you know, I, I told several of you that met me, I said, man, this is kicking my rear end. It really is. I, I, you know, I, when I was growing up in church, I thought church meant, eh, sit in, sit in a chair, go there, go to the, you know, maybe a Bible class, go home, see you later, till next Sunday. When we're discipling disciples, that's not the way it works, you know. But go back and look at how uh, the leadership in the Bible, specifically Simon Peter, and how he discipled others. As you read, as you read through the Bible, the other thing I was going to say, as you read through the Bible and you're scattering throughout the Bible and some of your individual devotions, you always see that Peter's mentioned first almost all the time in the Bible. They always mention Peter and the others, or Peter, James, and John, but Peter is almost always mentioned first um, with regard to uh, his leadership position, and he's always mentioned first uh, probably because of that. So it's hard to get rid of hard, uh, bad habits, right? I'd rather be home, hanging out on Sunday afternoon, taking a nap. But God asks us to do something a lot different than that. He challenges us each and every day. What, what is it? So going back to what a lot of you guys and gals and people out uh, that I know, what is it that God wants us to do? What is he asking us to do? Whether we want to do it or not, right? Whether we want to take a nap or watch the ball game, God asks us, he challenges that. And, we, and if we're in the truth, we have to answer that correctly. We have, if we want to be transformed, we want to understand the truth, then we have to say, gee, I don't need to be watching the ball game. I don't need to be horsing around. You know, I, I need to be in the Word. The whole thing is trying to eliminate some bad behavior. You know, bad behavior, um, your thinking, your thoughts, your feelings. If you're thinking negative thinking, if you have negative thinking, then you're going to have negative feelings. And so, personally me, I don't believe in the, in the concept of the bad day. 
I've told this, the people uh, I tell all the time, I said, I don't believe in the concept of the bad day, ever. Ever, ever do I believe that. And I said, now, okay, well, my mom died, my dad died. Yeah, that was kind of a bad day. But, folks, I, you know, we have the opportunity to not only uphold the body of Christ every day, whether that's with our leadership, our pastors and their family, we have a great opportunity um, to witness in today's world. Uh, we found out about 25 to 30 percent of um, folks in Texas are actually um, in worship or they're in some sort of missional community or Bible study. So the mission field is, is awesome. Uh, the sixth item that I'll talk for life transformation is surrounding yourself with an honest community of believers. Whether that's in church, that could be in missional community. We have an opportunity in missional community to surround ourselves with um, a community of believers. Simon Peter did this in Acts 2, 2, 3, 4. This was, this was Pentecost and the, Holy, and the Holy Spirit coming down on the community of believers. So after Jesus had risen, Peter was in charge of a community of about 120 people. And in Acts 2, 2, it talks about Pentecost. It sounds like, a sound like the rushing of a mighty wind filled the whole house where the believers were. And they saw the appearance of many tongues of fire that rested upon every one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in the tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here we see really a transformation in Peter. It's, yeah, remember, I was telling you, he was kind of the clux. He denied Jesus. He tried to walk on water. You know, he tried to cut the ear off of the soldier's ear when they tried to take Jesus. He was probably aiming for the head. Who knows? But, he, you know, there he is, the clux again. And, and... We really see his transformation take place. When he is able to be next to Jesus, he was next to Jesus for two or three years, but he was not walking in the truth. When the Holy Spirit entered his life, then he was able to, to do some great things. So just like he was not speaking amongst the crowd, as soon as he received the Holy Spirit, he talked to groups of four and 5,000. He was, he was like a bull in the china cabinet. It was just, yeah, he was totally leaving uh, living the transformed life. We see a little bit of that in our missional community, obviously. We have meals, we, fit, we, we, we trade our faith, uh, we share prayers. Um, and so in a small group or a missional community, you get the support that you need. So you may need a coach, you may need a mentor, but if you really want life transformation, one of the things that I've seen is you really need to be in some sort of smaller group. And that way people are holding you accountable uh, to uh, your walk and your faith walk versus, like I was telling you earlier, nobody's holding me accountable. I was going to church, the going to Bible say, eh, okay, see you later, right? But you get in a small group, you get in a missional community, God, God, God does great things, I think, uh, through those venues. In Ephesians 4, and, uh, 25, 29, and 32, so each of you must get rid of your lying. Speak the truth to your neighbor, right? In those settings, we speak to each other in truth. We're walking side by side in the light. We're, we're working together. And, you know, nobody's perfect. You know, if <laughs> the churches would truly fall down if anybody said they were perfect. Um, we, we're all parts of one body. And so we're, we're, we're accountable to hold each other in truth. Um, and then be kind to one another, forgive each other. 
You know, one thing that's important is, is not to hold the grudge, just to forgive folks and just keep moving. Don't look back. Just keep, just keep forgiving people and move forward. I think that's the beauty of uh, the, our church body is, hey, we mess up. We're, mess, you know, we're messy people. We're really messy people, me included. I, you know, if I <laughs> always ask people, if I offended you, please forgive me, and let's continue to try to build up the kingdom. Um, and so, you know, real friends in those type of sittings, they hang with you. They don't abandon you. They are hanging with you at all times. Um, and so it's very important, I think, to be in some sort of group or missional community so you can hold each other accountable. And the seventh one, uh, transformation requires faith. It takes maybe a lot of years to, you know, when you're growing up, if you're a young person here, it takes, sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes it takes your whole life to, to, um, to understand your faith. And so, um, in Matthew 16, 15 and 16, um, Peter, here we are back at Peter, Jesus asked him, but, uh, but what, what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you're the Christ, you're the living Son of God. He, he knew, he knew that that was, that Jesus was the truth, that if he walked with tr- Jesus, that he would have a transformed life. And then, it, going back to what I was saying, if you're, all, if you're skeptical about whether you can do something, if you're in the truth, if you do some of the principles that I was talking about a little bit here today, some of the main points, if you just learn one thing, you know, just the first thing, just uh, open up, be incremental, keep yourself transparent, keep the truth. You don't have to know all seven of them, but I do think, uh, given Simon Peter and some of the things that we learned in Ephesians, that you certainly can, can, can do anything. So in Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do everything by the power of Christ. He gives me strength. So you really choose how God blesses you. God will continue to bless you he, because he cares about you unconditionally. That, that never stops. God always loves you no matter what happens. And he will bless your life. But as you continue to walk down this path, hopefully of transformation, you'll have the life that you really want, uncluttered by um, things that may not be necessary. Um, and if you're, you're not worried, if you can think and, th- and think and think about things that you might want to make your life better next year, and think, well, I, I don't know if I can do that, but I guarantee you, whatever the biggest thing is that you want to get done, whether that's transformation or anything, God can top that any time. You have to turn it over to him. And so those are some of the things. We're going to be talking about transformation over the next few weeks. Um, and so I, I hope that you take some of the main points of today's message. Even if it's just one little morsel, that would be awesome. And then as you can see here, we talk about the Oikos church frame and vision. And so we see it as we're walking up and down the halls of our campus here. And we talk about, you know, making disciples, disciples making disciples. And then families on mission. We hear a lot about that. We're also talking about transformation. And so uh, when we're no longer conforming to the world, we can be transformed in the world. So it's my prayer today that you take away, again, something from this message uh, that you can work on. I know there's a lot of things in all seven of those points that I can work on. 
I know Simon Peter, he, he was working on them all the time, right? And he still fell short of the glory of God. But through faith in Jesus Christ, uh, we will walk in his ways. Okay? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us here today. Lord, it's a, it's a long race. We're discipling disciples. We're challenging, challenging us, Lord, every day, whether that's in our work for, in our workplace, our school, in our marriage, in our family life. We pray for your guidance, for your discernment, that we can make, continue to make that life, our lives transformational, that we can become more like you, that we can walk in your truth. And Lord, when we stumble, help us to reach out to that coach or that mentor so we can find that truth, or help us to reach out to somebody in the community of believers who might be just as scared as we are. Give us the courage and the strength to continue to live the life that you want us. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people say.